and we're live. Hi guys, we're live. Hello, Burns. Uh, this is Drew, and Hi. our guest today is Austin Keeler. He is uh, a fellow friend of ours on TikTok. Uh, hello, you friend. Can find him at Ref uh, Reformed Frontline Ministries, um, and we brought him on today because we want to talk about the. Uh, revivals that have uh, supposedly been occurring around the nation in different uh, uh, Christian campuses. Um, so, Austin, if you could just give us a quick introduction uh, about you and yourself and uh, why why TikTok, man? What brought you to TikTok? Uh, so my name's uh, Austin Keeler. I uh, am uh, one of the pastors at Reformation Church of Shelbyville, uh, located in Kentucky. I am also a full-time evangelist with Reformation Frontline Missions, and I am a student at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. I am married to my wife, Rachel, and we have two sons, uh, Josiah, who's three, and Malachi, who is one. Um, why TikTok? <laughs> I, I, I was, was it quarantine? Asked, was, what's that? Was it quarantine? <laughs> was it quarantine? No, no, it wasn't quarantine. I, I was I was tasked with with pursuing media for for RFM for Reformation Frontline Missions, mm. and uh, I I'm terrible at it. Well, at least the, at other um, platforms that I tried to gain any traction on. So I I reluctantly started a TikTok. Um, and uh, what are the? Can we hang on before you keep going? What What were the other platforms that you tried, like that you tried to develop something? I mean, I'm I'm present on Twitter and Instagram ah. and YouTube, <coughs> things like that. But um, so yeah, reluctantly, I, I made a TikTok and um, it just went from there. Uh, I mean, your Holy Nope series is where I found you. Um, yeah, I believe it, I saw a few of them, and then I was like, "This is this is gold." <laughs> it was absolute gold. Um, I like yeah, I like pointing out heresy and making people laugh. <laughs> so it definitely does. Like, what, what gave you the idea? That, that I mean, it was subtle. It was quick content. It Man, was, I don't know. I was just just thinking about something. Honestly, just something I could post when I didn't have anything else to post. Um, something funny. Um, and uh, I got my Bible. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Go worship. And then clip over yeah. to something crazy. Nope. I'm pretty sure I was inspired by by another creator who does does something similar with like secular, just random funny videos. So yeah. I, it wasn't idea. Certainly wasn't original with me. Yeah, yeah the idea of like that just it's a nope. You know, it's that's become more of a <laughs> that's become more of a meme itself. Uh, and. Uh, I, I think uh, I think it's a good concept, and so and there's you don't run out of ideas. I mean, there's there's just oh, no. plenty of material for you to use. Absolutely, yeah. Like, but, explain the idea of like. So, give us an example of what you'd be looking for in a church video that would uh, fit well well with your series. Well, the videos that that seem to do uh, the best yeah. uh, are instances in the uh, charismatic realm when there's just pandemonium happening i what was that one video that came out recently with the guy swinging the sword and then the camera yes all that was just ringing a bell yeah like, i liked it that's fantastic <laughs> i don't why do you think people like aside from maybe the the darker side of things why do you think people are so easily led to those 
experiences? Mm. Well, I, I think that uh, it's exciting. You think it's and, purely uh, the excitement? Well, I think well, there's obviously a lot of factors that go into sure. someone, why, why someone would be a part of that. Um, the scripture's not being taught. They're born into it. Yeah. Uh, perhaps, um, yeah, they're not knowing any better. Um, but I, I think the root of all of those issues is biblical literacy. Mm. Yeah, I like that. So you wouldn't get, you'd be a cessationist? I am a cessationist. Okay. Yes. Um, a hard uh, cessationist? Like a fir- your are you, firm cessationist? Light? Like light? <laughs> I, I would call myself a practical cessationist. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, probably. So, so uh, can God give a missionary uh, the gift of tongues in, in a tribe where the gospel's never been preached? Uh, so that they understand and believe. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think yeah. God can't do that. Yeah. Um, so, and I, for everyone who might hear the word cessationist and, and uh, become afraid or something, I believe God heals people also. Yeah. God is certainly capable yeah. of doing miracles. All day long. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I think there's, there needs to be like, <clears throat> there's just a, a, a very weird idea that, uh, you know, you can get away with anything that you claim is the name of God if you can show some sort of a sign or wonder, whether real or not, because, you know, demons can make signs, too. So uh, to deceive and, and get you to to believe something that is a lie. So um, I think people. Boy, and that was a concern of mine. Let me just lead into the Asbury thing because that was a concern of mine too, is like how many people, and I think I said this on the podcast last week, uh, how many people can now use Asbury as a platform? Say they mm. go they go there, they, um, they now have the name to say, oh, you know, when I was there, uh, I experienced this thing and now God gave me this vision or this And this I am word. chosen. I'm chosen to do this <laughs> and you, you know, you begin some, uh, sort of culty type movement, right? Like there are, those are risks that, uh, that any type of move of God can like, it's going to call in those type of people to like pray on innocent folks and stuff. So, well, you know, um, a, a big thing that was happening during the, the, uh, the, the meetings at, uh, at Asbury was student testimonies and right. from, from my observations, uh, the, the main theme of student testimony was how God was calling young people into ministry through miraculous uh, circumstances, mm. whether audible voices or miracles or visions or dreams and, and things like that. Yeah. What, what were some of it? I mean, without, you know, I don't know. What, Real that, quick. Yeah, go ahead, Logan. So, so you kind of did the opposite of your Holy Nope series, right? Where you see it, you're like, nope, not going. But in this case, and I think your video was amazing on how you responded. You actually went, and then you went again, um, and you gave it a second chance, and you went yeah, there to get twice. more That's detail. Yeah, pretty awesome, for sure. Um, and, and your response is, I, I had to go, or you felt like led to go, because obviously you were pastoring nearby, um, and, and it's important for your flock. It's important. And I think for all of us, like it, it made national news. Everyone's hearing about it. Um, 
but from your firsthand experience. So what, what drew you, what, what, if you could just elaborate a little further on that, that feeling of being led in that shepherding role versus the whole, you know, nope, not going, nope, this isn't, this isn't something I'm going to do. Cause it, yeah, well, it, it is an hour away and I am one of six pastors at a local church. Um, so I'm obviously interested because I mean, who, we, if there's a if there's a revival happening, like we, we want to know what's going on. Mm. Um, we have several people in our congregation who are Asbury alumni. Mm. Our church has many uh, connections to Asbury. I have family members who went to Asbury. And so, yeah, as a shepherd, it was extremely uh, important to to be able to tell our people how they should be thinking about this, um, what they should be looking for, um, and uh, how to discern what may or may not be actually happening here. Was there a part of you that thought maybe like when you get there, something supernatural is going to happen? Is there any? Well, people, people are reluctant to believe me, but we, we really did go with, with, with high hopes. We, we went wanting and expecting the best. Like I said, we want revival. Um, and Absolutely. I, I, think, I think the whole conversation reveals that people, I, I have seen people basically making up a theology of revival on the spot as they're typing comments uh, in, in the comment section. And I don't think... Uh, most people have done a lot of work in thinking deeply on what revival is and, and what it should look like. Mm. Not yeah, only in the long term, but in the short term. So what do you, what do you think this boils down to being then? If it's not, if it's not a revival in the, in the biblical sense of, you know, you see these people, um, being empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into, uh, you know, their home, home nations, home cities and preaching the gospel. Like that is the proclamation of the gospel to go forth and also proclaim the gospel. Um, so if you're not seeing that, but we are seeing some of the fruit of this, you know, and I, I want to, I try to be very optimistic about things and I try to think that God, um, you know, may be doing things in some certain ways that are not the obvious, but, to hear that, um, to hear the the name of Jesus being praised on uh, such a, a show like Tucker Carlson, you know, a national syndicated show, to hear the name of Jesus and the and the and the showing of people worshiping God, and it wasn't. Uh, I didn't feel like it was inappropriate or um, too, uh, you know, invading of their privacy, but just kind of an overview of seeing hands raised praising the Lord. And I was listening to the lyrics that they played on like Tucker and, and they were, they were not um, at least the words that were said were, were not inappropriate. So I, I gotta believe that God is using this in some ways in that, you know, whether in pretense or in truth is using this in a way that is like reaching out to people that are hearing about the Holy Spirit, hearing about the Son Jesus that saves in and uh, on such a level like that too. So, I mean, if it's not a revival, what is it? What can we, what can we say about it? 
it, it's just a hard thing to because I don't want to be in a I don't want to be a naysayer all the time about God things. So what do we do with this? Well, um, certainly, I believe that God can do a mighty spiritual work among people who have theological disagreements with me. Sure. Um, uh, and so I am in no way discrediting what is obvious about this event, and that is that young people are gathering to sing praises to God. Yeah, uh, that's a good thing. And no matter what you call it, um, if it's not a true revival, uh, God can God's still going to use this in many ways for the good of his people and the glory of his name. I'm I'm sure of that. Amen. Um, uh, Is there a however? What's that? Is there a however? Do you have a... Well, um, there are, I think, just as much things that um, concern me as, as, as much as encourage me in regards to this revival. First, I think mm -hmm. when we talk about what revival is, I think people equate revival with excitement. Yes, Something for sure. exciting is happening. People are gathering. Um, people are feeling things. And so this is a revival. I think that this is what I mean. I, I, I'm not sure that we've thought through what what a revival should look like. I think I think more than a bunch of young people driving you know across state lines to gather to to sing praise. And yeah, some a lot of the songs they sung are are theologically sound. A lot of them aren't, but a lot sure. of them are as well. Um, and, and it looks more like fathers taking up their duty night after night to lead their family in worship. It, it looks more like devoted mm -hmm. uh, participation in your local church. Uh, it looks like an increase in the ordinary means of, of grace and the devotedness of God's people uh, where God has placed them rather than uh, a week long worship service. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, so the funny thing, uh, so during the great awakening, preaching outside was like, uh, not, not normal by the time we got to the States or to the colonies. Um, and George Whitfield coming out and preaching out in farms, pastures, anywhere he could find a spot to preach. Uh, the Congregationalists or Presbyterians or Puritans uh, in that local area would actually, uh, criticize them for being too emotional and um, having too much feeling involved in his preaching and in their worship right because mm -hmm. it was just it was just outside of the status quo and I just want to make sure that I'm not doing that same thing now to this university and these college students who are um, praising God right but at the same time um, when I heard your report that the gospel was very shallow if even mentioned um that was my moment of like okay then this isn't this isn't what i thought it was going to be right because for me from how i understand the holy spirit's role 
is he is to lead the the sinner who is dead in their sin to the son right and it's not so much about the gifts of what the spirit is giving me and what he's done for me and how the holy spirit is moving on me but how i can now proclaim jesus as lord and savior that transformation occurs and the reports i started watching from this revival just kept focusing on one person of the trinity over and over and over again and it just had that charismatic feel all over again so i don't i mean is that kind of did, did you see a lot of that did you see anything that was more deep in the actual regeneration of of a sinner to to new life new birth um well i i would i would just first first agree with you um the the role of the holy spirit is to point us to the son uh and so if if an if a meeting is all about him, about this Holy Spirit, and all the attention is on him, uh, th that's a red flag for me. Um, I think if the Holy Spirit is is moving, or however you want to say it, the Son is going to be exalted uh, as, as supreme, and all attention is going to be focused towards the Son. So, yes, uh, Whitfield uh, was an emotional preacher. And so what's the difference between... Um, emotions and emotionalism it's truth truth is the difference um, emotionalism is devoid of truth but truth should stir our emotions and so when we are emotional because we're emotional creatures emotions aren't bad a lot of people when they hear me say that they say you you, you think emotions are bad absolutely not but emotions must be um they must have their proper place and they should be stirred, they, they should be moved, but in response to the truth of God's word. And so if truth is absent, if truth isn't being proclaimed and people are very emotional, what what are they emotional about? What are mm. they what are they worshiping? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean that's that's a dude, that's a solid point though. Right, right. Because it's like, point. oh, what can it what can it do for me? Like, what does it do? It gave you the greatest thing ever. You recognize what are we song. what are they worshiping in that moment? Yeah. And you see a lot of these movements when it comes to the charismania of it, they begin to worship the Holy Spirit. There's very little mention of the sun. Go with Jordan on uh TikTok has said he uh when I went, the spirit was mentioned more than the sun. So that is what is the gospel that through Jesus Christ, we have reconciliation with God and we recognize that the Holy Spirit was given, um, as you said, to draw us to the Son so that we can be reconciled to the Father. So there is a chain of events uh, that is in the truth of Scripture. And if you, it's, it's okay to not understand those, but it is through those means that we are able to judge uh, whether things are going according to scripture or not. And if we hold scripture to be authoritative, we cannot just look at the scripture that makes us feel good and brings us emotional highs, but we also have to look at the truth of the order of scripture and the order of the way that we worship God. He is a, he is a specific being. He is not a chaotic being. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to another another point you um, said, Logan, uh, just the, the about the gospel being presented and the work of regeneration. Um, 
I, I think that God has you. I mean, I'm sure that God has used this event through the way the gospel was proclaimed in the invitations to believe to save his people, to save some. Um, but what I witnessed, and, and, and I went over that in my, my follow-up video, what I witnessed was classic, typical revivalism, which is you sing a bunch of songs, um, you, you, have, you get emotional, and then you present uh, a quick gospel message, and then you make a pressured appeal to make a, an immediate uh, demonstrable response to the gospel and repeat a prayer and be welcomed into the kingdom of God. And um, I forget who coined the term, but we call that decisional regeneration, that my emotions can be manipulated into making a decision and becoming a number counter. Right. Uh, and so that that's really concerning for me. Uh, again, yeah, God can save people that way. Um, but regeneration is a sovereign work of the spirit of God. And it doesn't come about by my decision. You know, I, I saw clips of, and the, the main speaker did this as well. And I saw another clip also, this idea that um, at, what, after leading someone through the sinner's prayer, they said, you know, when I say amen, he's going to be sealed with the Holy Spirit and we're all going to shout. Well, you're saying amen doesn't seal anyone with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the Spirit when we are regenerated, when we believe on Christ and become a new creature. Yeah, um, you don't so, command. You don't command things of God like that. Like that's not a. That's not a. Yeah, God the Spirit's not word. waiting for you to say Amen. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I think it was John MacArthur. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but he said no. <laughs> no prayer send more Christians to hell than the sinner's prayer. Like this idea that all I have to do is this, and I am saved. Um, yeah, I think it's dangerous to teach people that. I think we need to really teach them what faith is, what belief is, who the Son is. Um, and honestly, without the Holy Spirit, it's not going to happen. Right? But I do, so, I do like what you said, Austin, earlier that you know the truth, the truth should provoke an emotional response in us. And uh, you know, there are, boy, I am an an emotional guy in my older age, especially as I've. Um, grown older and uh there are there are days i'll be listening to a worship song and just i just immediately begin to weep where i'm just i mean i'm like god is so good like he's revealing uh he's like showing me some of his goodness and i begin to weep and and i get very uh i get emotional when i think of god reminds me of his blessings and and what he's given me with my children and um but there are also moments of scripture where I'll be reading, you know, with my kids and it's just, uh, one of the acts of Jesus, something that he has done, some moment of forgiveness or, or a miracle or some sort of just one of the acts of Jesus. And I'll be reading with my kids and I just start weeping and it's like, I'm just so, it is the truth of that, that it sinks with my soul and it, it's like, you can't feel more true than that moment. And it just produces like the most overwhelming emotional response for me. Do you think that that sort of reaction is appropriate when it comes to, you know, emotional being emotional or an emotional response? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm right there with you, brother. Uh, I love when God gives me tears when I'm reading his word. Um, that, that should happen. Not every not every day. It's not going to happen every time, and you shouldn't expect it to happen. Right. Uh, the, the, ooh, I like that. Expectation. Is that maybe huh. a difference, too, in what is being presented is to expect this type of experience every yeah. time you go to church versus go to church with the the intent to go to church to sit and and to to worship and hear the truth being proclaimed as a body um yeah i want to yeah. hear your thoughts on yeah, all that. No, yeah man because my neighbors are oneness pentecostal man they mm. they anticipate that happening every single sunday right it's like demanded right yeah uh yeah um well i we should expect great things from god um there's nothing wrong with expectation um if i understood you correctly drew yeah are you if you're asking if a potential danger of this is to teach young people to expect um the fantastical every time they yes go to a local every time they attend local church right um i I think that is a a potential danger yeah um it was it was pretty it was pretty disturbing to see all of the disregard for the local church and people that interacted with me um the fact that interesting the fact that the the leaders at asbury themselves did not exhort the students to go to their local churches um, mm. uh, on Sunday. Um, yeah. Like what? Like come here struggling. because the Holy Spirit's here. Right. It's like everybody come here because it's happening mm. here. This is, this is where the Holy Spirit is versus. Well, they're saying two things, right? They're saying come here and experience God. Uh, mm. But also, God, but, but also you don't need to. Right. He's just as much present at, in Hughes auditorium as he is at, at the chapel across the street. Well, if that's true, then he's just as much present wherever at my you church. are. At your yeah. church. So why are we flocking right. into this place, you know? Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. These are good. Go, yeah. go ahead. Just with, with regeneration and, and decisionism, um, like my, my conversion was an incredibly emotional experience. Right. There's a difference between um, your emotions being manipulated by singing hyper emotional music and being pressured into making a decision on the spot and regeneration. And and, and the difference is that in regeneration, it's not the manipulation of the emotions, though emotions may certainly be present in the experience of regeneration. But it's not the manipulation of the emotions. It's the subduing of the will. It's the liberating of the will from yes. slavery to sin. Yeah. yeah. That is the truth of what Paul preached. That's why he teaches yeah. in Romans all about that. Being liberated uh, from sin, no longer being a slave to sin, no longer being dead in so, sin. So so real quick, before I go into this next piece about us talking about you, you, people's response to your critique, um, it, is it, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, Drew. I, I have an immediate hang up the moment I see a cell phone out in the middle of when the Holy Spirit is quote unquote moving. Like we, we have time to film this, like versus just being flat on our face. I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Immediately is a red flag to me. Like, okay, this isn't 
This is an actual. Yeah, but we talked about that too. How you know God can still use that sovereignly to uh, reach the right person if if perhaps that is right in pretense, uh, right? Like, yeah. So, so how do you feel? The the, uh, this is the you know the last time Asbury had a revival, and they've they've had many um, quote unquote revival. there weren't phones around, right? There weren't smartphones you could um, uh, shoot with or record. Right. Um, The way that other universities have been um, claiming that revival is coming to their school is the same way it started with Asbury. I I found out. Yeah, they're riding on the coattails a little bit. Well, I found out that it was three hours after that chapel service ended before the first tweet went out from Asbury, that revival had come to the school Mm. three hours was all it took for someone to post on social media, that revival has come to the school. And now the same thing that's happening at at other universities as well. We're going to stay up a little later Mm -hmm. and, and continue worshiping. And then we're going to blast on social media that revival is here as well. That that that's really concerning to me as far as is Absolutely. it a is, are we seeing a, the the power of the Holy Spirit or are we seeing the power of hype? Yeah, which is huge, right? It, our ability to be socially manipulated um, is, is very uh, it's very subtle. Um, it creeps in on you and. A lot of oftentimes you don't even realize that it's happening and you're already making decisions and uh, you're correcting behaviors based on your local environment and even your social media environment. But you mentioned that Asbury's had uh, um, several revivals since 1890, Asbury, uh, a Wesleyan holiness university, right? So I guess that's more where they fall in their uh, denomination, has reported eight revivals over the years. Um so how does that compare to the revival we Jordan we says they're all Acts in February too. and one was in March <laughs> in the last of all eight was revivals. It really? Yeah, that's what no Jordan kidding. said. Yeah. <laughs> God's cyclical. Like as if it's planned every every 19 years, man. Um, but how, how does that how do, how do y'all feel? Uh, how does that compare to what we saw at Pentecost in scripture? Um, and then I guess I mean, we, we, it still takes time to see how this all unfolds for individuals who were there, who actually were uh, in, in truth, uh, giving God all the glory. Um, I'm not saying that people there were, were not doing that. Um, I'm just, I want to make sure that we test everything, right? Um, well, Pentecost was purposeful yeah. that the people from all the other tongues and tribes would be in one place so that they could go from there and then go back into their home countries to proclaim the gospel. So that was like, if we're going to compare anything to, to that in Acts, we have to look at like what is being taught, what is being proclaimed. Is Asbury saying, take this and go now to wherever you're from, your cities, your towns, and proclaim this among the people there? This is the gospel. You have now been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this. Like, if we're not hearing those things, then we it's not the same comparison. You just can't say that they're the same things. Um, and I, I really, I don't know, maybe you you know this, um, Austin, but 
how long were the people during that time of Pentecost, how long likely were they, would they have been there after hearing the message of the gospel proclaimed by Peter and then gone back to their, their own tribes? Well, um, I, they wouldn't have been there for very long. I mean, they would have, they would have traveled there and have probably planned to stay for a week or two, I imagine. Um, Revival is tricky um, when you look at the biblical accounts. Obviously, the word's not used in scripture. Um, you know, you have examples like um, Nineveh. Um, of course, that's that's among unbelieving, uh, he, an unbelieving heathen nation. Um, and then, you know, Acts 19 also with, the, uh, you know, the, all the burning of the books and things like this. Uh, a lot of people want to point to Pentecost and say that this things like this are a Pentecost moment. And um, the Pentecost was a one-time event. Mm. Peter stands up to preach in Acts 2, verse 16, and he's, he's already pointing back to what just happened. The Holy mm. Spirit came like a rushing wind, tongues of fire, everyone hearing the word of God in their own language. And he is stands up to preach and says, this that just happened was what Joel prophesied about. Um, and so that is a one-time, unrepeatable event. The Spirit has come. And so to compare um, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to Pentecost, I think is is uh, a bit of a stretch. Um, yeah. We, should, we shouldn't look to Pentecost and expect another one. No, I guess I was thinking more, more so of the method, right? Like the preaching of the word, the move, the hearing of the word, and then the the going and taking that message, right? That there, there was, they added to their numbers, right? And those people obviously left. And then we see later that Paul is writing to a church in Rome that potentially he has never even met. So therefore they had to have come from somewhere. We assume that these are potentially individuals who were at Pentecost, heard uh, Peter preach and then took it back to their uh to their uh, local uh, community right so yeah, I, I guess sure. I'm, I'm looking at this in a, in a method of the preaching of the word occurs the praising of god the moving um the the baptize and repent and then the the great commission and moving forward um i mean i were they even doing baptisms or anything there it was just a, a call to uh i guess uh the sinner's prayer i didn't see any baptisms no that there were none happening that I'm aware of. Okay. Mm. Just curious. Yeah. I don't want to be too critical. Like once again, I don't want to sound like the the guys in <laughs> congregationalists during the No, I mean it, it may be important yeah. to really reiterate that people genuine believers, I think many who are ignorant of the false teachings that were present, ignorant of the hyper charismatic practices that were present, uh, and innocent of those things wanted to go and worship God with other believers and they did mm. and, and, and they gave him glory and it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yep. So this next part, you decided to be the guy you decided to take the heat, um, post it. You put the, the target on your, your chest and said, all right, here's my critique. Um, I, from what it looks like, a lot of them were just, uh, some rude responses. I'm assuming, um, at least I don't, I don't want to assume their intentions, but 
um, I don't know. How, how do you feel <laughs> about like just battling this, having, having the comment sections go off, um, people basically telling you that you're being too critical. Um, I, I, I thought your responses were in love. They were, they were, uh, I, I wouldn't expect, I'm really glad that you, uh, responded the way you did. Cause I think that's how we should respond, right. Is, uh, loving and caring as possible with a, while still on the side of truth. So, um, yeah, like walk me through that experience, man. You've, you've been in the, the fire for a couple of days now. Well, I, I knew that my, my first report wasn't going to be popular. Um, as I nice. said at the beginning of the video, um, I think I didn't real I didn't realize, uh, how big a splash it would make. Um, uh, definitely angered a lot of people. I think I've been called a Pharisee four or five hundred times in the comments of that of that video. Yeah. Um, been called lots of things, um, but um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not losing any sleep over it. Um, I don't regret anything that I have said. Um, I've meant every word. I've I've thought through every word. Um, so. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad I made those videos. Um, I, I think it revealed, those comments revealed a lot of deep issues that exist within modern Christianity, modern understanding mm. of certain things. And so yeah, it does, does now to, to be pointing some of those things out. Yeah, you challenged them on their... Uh, their uh, and that's been their going on for a long time. When I was, uh, when I was doing Facebook... Back in, gosh, 2000, I think around 2012, I started going real hard doing like um, polemic type stuff on Facebook, uh, calling out false teachers and everything. I went under the um, the Dirty Christian was the uh, the, the Facebook page. And uh, I was doing a lot of like anti-Joel Osteen stuff and, and stuff like that. But I remember uh, feeling back then like I can't believe how little people understand or know about the Bible or what the Bible even says about things. There, there's just such a, a general ignorance about very common, very like easily, uh, I don't know, uh, easily corrected things if people were to listen to what scripture says. So what are some of the things, what are some of the overarching themes that you heard uh, in response to your uh, Pharisaism that uh, you displayed? Yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, what you're describing is exactly what we mentioned at the beginning of this live stream. Um, it, it boils down to biblical illiteracy. Yeah. People don't know the word. And uh, I think this whole thing also highlights the sad state of the, the average local church in America. But mm. um, because people people aren't getting a steady diet of, of the word each Sunday. Whose uh, fault is that? The pastors? Yes. Like in general? Yeah. It's the pastor. It's their responsibility before God to feed their sheep. Um, Should people also be feeding themselves, though? I mean, I know I have a devotion, pretty pretty a rigorous devotion time my own. I'm not tooting my own horn, but I it, I'm purposeful with it. You know, like I'm, He's I'm tooted. You're tooted. I mean, I tooted. Sorry. Uh, no, but I mean to do it. I love the word, so I do my own devotion every day. And is so is it a result of like I wasn't taught that by a pastor. I do it because I love Jesus. It's common sense to me to read my Bible. So 
Um, I make sure that I'm fed to make sure that I can feed my children and my wife and the people that I serve at my church. But I didn't learn necessarily learn that from the from a pastor specifically. I have never sat under any pastor until this current church that I'm in now. So mm. is it really a pastor problem? I didn't have a pastor problem. You know, like well, the pastor's the pastor is responsible for his own duty. Obviously, every Christian is responsible for their own sin, and they should be able to feed themselves with the word of God to to an extent. Um, however, the, the problem is with this self-feeding is that when they think I can feed myself, I don't need the church. I can feed myself. I don't need to be submitted to a pastor or to, to elders. Um, if you're uh, truly eating, the word tells you to be that way. You're right. denying the word itself if you're saying that you're studying on your own. Yeah, it's crazy man. Elders yeah. that I'm yeah. accountable to, elders that will discipline yep. me, yep. fellowship in a body, accountability, uh, bro. Yeah, serving people, serving people, man. It's so, dude, man. That's it's so important. I just, I get hyped when I think about that because it's like it's so true. Like when you're, when you're saying those things, like I know we haven't had a conversation before this, but like I'm agreeing with all of the words that you're saying because there's a, there's just truth to that. And it resonates within, you know, it's like truth recognizes truth. And this isn't like Drew is so good. And Austin is so good. This is not like, that's not it at all. Like, like let, let every man be a liar, you know? So I, I just want like, it's like God himself just is purposeful in revealing his truth. And when you hear it, you're, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you respond to it. There is something in you that it's like, it just jumps for joy. It's like, oh man, that's good. I just, yeah, yeah, gotta Amen. say, it. yeah. Well, to to answer your <clears throat> your question <clears throat> before um, things themes in the comment section, I think mm -hmm. I've done, yeah, I've done three three parts now. Um, part one was the simple reality that. People don't know what the gospel is because I, I, I pointed out that. So so when that when that yes. when that female faculty lady, um, when she said, turn to your, let's let's take a moment to preach the gospel to one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Oh, man. Oh. She, <laughs> she may have been doing that as some sort of transition between what was happening in the service. Uh, but yeah. either way, that was a teaching moment. That was yeah. a teaching moment for the 5,000 people that were there watching her. And so in that moment, she's teaching them that that's what the gospel is. Whether yeah. whether she meant to or not, I don't know. I don't know her heart. I don't know if, she, if I sat down with her and asked her what's the gospel. If she would say she that. She was in authority in that moment, teaching something wrong. Dude, it's yeah. so true. Like if you have to, if you don't take the word of God serious, then you won't care about stuff like this. But this is this is stuff that's important. Yeah. So so in the comments, um, I yeah got to, you know actually Jesus loves you is the gospel and all sorts all sorts of um, things that just demonstrate uh, how how gospel ignorant people are and how gospel reductionism is, is so prevalent among uh, the professing body of Christ. And then uh, secondly was uh what was my what was my part two about oh yeah feeling yes feeling um the emphasis the overemphasis 
on that this event, this revival is about feeling the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and pushback against me who, who, who goes and observes and reports. Um, yes, my theological convictions are going to disagree with, with a lot of what I saw, whether I think it's revival or not. But the pushback um, that was um, just so much of it was, well, I felt God, therefore it's real. I felt the spirit, therefore this is a true revival. I mm -hmm. was there and I, or I watched on live stream and I cried. Therefore, this is the real deal. And so people are testing the spirits by their emotional reaction to what they see. And not by whether it's true or not. Yeah. That looks delicious behind you, that Papa John's, by the way. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was looking, dude. I'm like, what is going on back there? I'm like, I'm now I'm starving. Thank you. Um, Austin, I wanted to ask you, uh, we got a question on here on YouTube. Um, he said, speaking of Asbury, I think they said they are going to have their final day. Do you think that's odd that they are choosing to end it? If they didn't choose to start it, what are what do you what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think the the faculty are probably pretty tired. Uh, they've they've, uh -huh, they've got to uh -huh. land the plane get over somehow. It. Get over it. Who cares if you're tired? What does the Holy Spirit do? Let Him restore your energy. Let Him restore your strength. Get over it. Like you don't. Yeah, he's man, he's better than a five hour about, energy. Man. That's for sure. Yeah, oh the, the kids got to get back to class, and, and the staff know it. But Wh I think, why? I think... Well, but not not to push back. But why do you need to get back to class if the Holy Spirit is moving? We're talking about eternal life. Everything else is a distraction. None of that matters. None of that matters. Your degree does not matter at this moment. It does not compare to what is happening. If it is truly of God, like, I, I'm sorry. Daddy's ongoing pay for the uh, university needs to uh, keep coming in. Yeah, um, I, I, I think they're they're stopping the continuous service they're still having some uh, worship services like in the evening um for for students but i think it gets back to the question of what does a revival look like because if revival is simply getting together to sing songs then yeah End it. And that's exactly I mean, what it was. You can end it. <laughs> uh, nothing's nothing stopping you from from ending it. But yeah. if, if revival is the reform the moral reformation of a people, of fathers to to lead their families, of pastors to preach the word, of universities to repent of their wishy washy positions on homosexuality. No, I wanted to bring that up. I'm glad you did. Good segue. Let's talk about of, it. Of of Kentuckians to experience a renewed urgency to fight for the rights of their preborn neighbors. Amen. Then it's not going to end when you stop singing. That's good, man. So I, um, I'm not on TikTok lately, but I saw, I got frustrated about the, you know, the, these deconstructionists that are out there on TikTok that are very harmful. And this, they have a podcast and a movement about, well, they're talking about Asbury right now, and their focus has been on the queer and gay community at Asbury University. And what it sounded like from their end, 
uh, was that they had nothing to uh, nothing to complain about when it came to the inclusivity of Asbury with people that are living a homosexual lifestyle. So my question is, if there is a true revival going on in that university, are is there a, a, a message of repentance for the sin of homosexuality and to live in a good conscience towards God um, by not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and sexual lusts and desires? Yeah, well, well certainly there, we would, we would expect that. Um, <clears throat> we would expect repentance from, from these weak positions that, uh, the Methodist denomination has, has taken mm. uh, in recent recent days. Um, I don't, I, you know, I want to be careful to speak about the, the, the interest of, of the homosexual community, uh, the new evangelicals and, and the deconstructionists. Uh, uh, it's not surprising that they would want to speak about this as, as something that might be in their favor. Um, you know, I, we saw troubling things um, apparently openly gay and trans students tweeting that queer people are leading worship. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I saw a few tweets like that, um, but I can't prove that. I, it's it's someone who's yeah. claiming to be a student on Twitter, Twitter tweeting. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So True. It could just be a troll. It could just be something. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I don't oh. know. Um, so, but yeah. So, so real quick, I so I, for the people on my uh, live feed on TikTok, I can't respond with a like I can't write to you guys for some reason. I I don't have that capability anymore. Um, but Mac forty five said, um, "Y'all, but I don't think the people uh, are. I think we're being way too critical, right? I don't think Satan put this event together. I don't think that's what we're saying at all. That this is a the work of the devil. Obviously, God is being praised. Um, I think it's we're trying to." discern between people's emotions and people's desire to just have that something new or go after the gift versus the true revival versus an emotional worship experience Um, i mean again it's not a downplay this is the devil no 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 not i mean that's no that that would be blasphemy that's ridiculous um but there is nothing wrong with Paul warns us to, or John, first John warns us to test the spirits, right? First John four, I believe test the spirits. Cause not every spirit is comes from God it makes it very clear um, that we are to not listen to everybody that comes in the name of God or in the name of Jesus. There are warnings all the way back from the earliest church of people that have been trying to hijack Christianity make it into something that brings people back into the bondage of sin and death or under the law. It's been going on for thousands of years. Yeah. I don't know why I'm talking about that. What were we just talking about? Well, basically that, this, uh, this, this con, this, I, this idea of a revival was hijacking, um, yeah. the, the actual gospel, if the gospel wasn't even preached, like it was not actually preached or just uh, constantly given. And it was just praise and worship, and the Holy Spirit's not leading these these new believers or uh, people who were non-believers and becoming believers to to the Son, right? Humbling them before their sin and before their God. Um, and I, I'm really skeptical of 
like what what were you actually doing in that praise and worship right was it really to god or was it for show was it for like like your 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 mouths are with me but your hearts are far from me kind of thing right you'll praise me with your mouth but your heart is deceitful so i don't i'm not saying that these people weren't i don't know their hearts i don't know them right um, i'm just always skeptical when it comes to anything that starts getting charismatic and it really did right we have people having demons casted out of them yeah. um, people having seizures and um, speaking in tongues so i just i know am i am i wrong y'all feel like i'm just too too harsh like just i mean i think it's am i, I am I, think, I putting god in a box here like i'm just I yeah, just like just like austin's have... uh recent uh tiktok putting the, the box that god is um no, I, uh, I'm always hesitant about the demon thing. I mean, obviously, I think that there are things that are for show, that, that are, are hyper-charismatic, that are not real. But I, I do wonder sometimes about uh, demons that walk among us, and, and I do think that people can be demon-oppressed, not Christians, but people that are walking around out there. And I think the devil you know, likes to disrupt the things of God. So is it reasonable to think that some sort of demonic thing couldn't make some manifestation at uh, an event where God is getting glory? Is it, is that like, is that a, is that a ridiculous idea or I, I don't think it happens all the time, but could it happen? I saw a, uh, a video, a couple videos earlier today that, I'm probably going to make some content about because nice. I can't help myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, some, some evangelist dude uh, getting a crowd riled up on the front lawn outside Hughes auditorium at Asbury, mm. um, preaching the second baptism of the Holy spirit, speaking oh, in wow. tongues, laying hands on people who got stirred up into a, frenzy and we're convulsing and and speaking in tongues um so i think that can be pretty kind of demonic huh that could be like a false a false spirit yeah yeah like the kundalini type stuff that 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 invaded the toronto revival yeah so just yeah to answer your question i i don't know but i i it seems like at least at least on the front lawn, uh, yeah. some some sketchy stuff. Do you think that stuff down. chases after things that proclaim God? Like, because they seem to like, they seem to chase after church movements and stuff. Like the they kind of come in creeping afterwards. Do you think that's a thing that happens, or um, perhaps? Yeah, perhaps. Well, I think you know, I, I, I think it's. Go ahead, Logan. I was gonna say I think it's purposeful, right? If I if I am warring against my creator and his creation is designed and has a a means of atonement and i can confuse that the same way the serpent did in the garden then why not mimic it and lead them astray right i'm going to give you a false representation of what the spirit is really doing in the lives of those who are born again and you're going to think that you are born again and you will end up in hell one day and you will be weeping or gnashing of teeth. I Jordan, think that's dude. <laughs> Jordan said some girl from Asbury uh said this morning on Fox and Friends that limbs were being regrown at the Asbury 
university. But here's it. Okay, so let's talk about that, right? I hadn't heard I had, any of that. I had an atheist once tell me, "If your God is real, is Todd White there? Why, why, why are we not regrow? Why is he not through the Holy Spirit regrowing limbs?" And my yeah. response is because God doesn't care about your leg coming back; He cares about your eternal soul. Yeah. Right. The greatest gift God can give you is not your leg to come back or your arm to come back, but for you to see and recognize Jesus and who he actually Amen. is. Recognize the cross. That is the greatest miracle you no will more. ever receive. So, I mean, no more. You, you can do you could actually do more with the gospel with with no legs or one leg than a leg that regenerated and came back. Right. Yeah. So I. I Spiritual regeneration is, is the greater miracle. Yeah. Then the, yes, reconciliation, regeneration. Jesus, I just want ten toes while I have it. You know, I, want, I, I, I want my regeneration and my ten toes, Jesus. Like, no, you don't. You don't get to choose what you get, man. The best thing God, to happen God to is, you is that you are justified to God, not that your limbs grew back, guys. That's silly. That's silly. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, miracles done, performed by Jesus and by his apostles were for a specific purpose um, to validate the the message that they preached, their to validate their authority yes. uh, as the Messiah and then as his apostles. I saw videos, uh, a video of a, a man, this poor lay man in a wheelchair and you know everyone's like clapping and singing some phrase over and over again, and they're standing him up um, out of his wheel- wheelchair, hoping, I guess, that he'll be healed and, and walk. And he's clearly not. He's clearly <laughs> still lame. But but the it but it 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 cuts off. It it, it cuts off really really <sighs> really quickly, and people are seeing that and claiming that healings are happening at this. Place. Yeah, it's same deceptive a- and it's kind of gross. The because same that poor is- man is going to go home in a wheelchair, and people are going to be excited that he supposedly got healed. I just don't yeah, understand. The limbs yeah, the same atheist that actually asked me, he's like, "Why does your God only heal secret or things that are unseen? Right, so they keep it in secret, um, like so stuff we can't see." And not, you know, growing back limbs. That was his point. Like, it's always something that's like in the body or that, you know, you can't really tell was there, wasn't there, how it actually is healed or isn't healed. Um, I want proof of an arm coming back kind of thing. And it's never, it's never like walking again. Um, Because I, I don't, I I do believe God heals. I do think he heals in many, many ways. Um, And for somebody who's lame and God does not restore the ability to walk to, I think he's healing them emotionally to deal with this new journey of being uh, paralyzed, right? Um, but the greatest healing that you'll ever receive is going from death to life. Um, so I, I'm not saying God doesn't heal, but there's there's purposes for why he only heals certain things, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, it, it is emotional. Like, how... how how would you feel being the person lifted up out of your wheelchair and thinking, oh, this is it. It's going to happen. And then you're rolling home. Yeah. That's, that's emotional abuse. That's at the hands of the church at that point. It is. That's at the hands of believers causing that kind of abuse. 
Who cares? Like, it, it, we just need to be blunt with people. Hey, who cares if you can walk again? Do you know Jesus? You do? Great. Go tell your neighbor. Roll yourself over and tell your neighbor. <laughs> I'm serious. Right? It's true, though, man. Look, God doesn't save us so that we can get more money and have a bigger house and be able to walk again. That's not why God saves us. That's not why God heals us. If he heals you, it's so that you can further proclaim the gospel. If he doesn't heal you, it's so that you can further proclaim the gospel. You should proclaim the gospel until you can no longer proclaim the gospel because you stand before the result of the gospel. So I, uh, Austin, I don't know how long um, you have, man. It's uh, we're an hour in and I want to be sensitive to your time. Cause I know, uh, you, 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 you're an early, early to bed, early to rise guy. Um, so what, uh, what do you, uh, what do you got available for us? I had some caffeine, man. I'm good. If you guys, if you guys want to keep going. All right. I'd love to take some questions from the audience. If you guys, yeah. Have time. Well, we've had, uh, we've had a few, we got to address, uh, from YouTube. Um, I think the conversation has been really good because hearing this has solidified more, of just of what I've been feeling lately when it comes to the move of God. And, you know, if, or if not, am I being too critical? All of this, like it's really given me a good solid building of my faith to, to be reminded that I think I'm in the right place uh, in my, where I'm at uh, thinking about all this. So um, I do appreciate that. I'd love to see what everybody has to say. So Mac 45 actually left the live because he said it was like footloose up in here with the gifts of the spirit. Um, footloose? Then, yeah, like, you know, how in footloose, they weren't allowed oh. to dance. So we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to, to uh, do his thing, I guess. Well, you know why, you know why Baptists uh, don't want you having sex before marriage, right? Oh, here we go. What is it? Because it leads to dancing. <laughs> oh my goodness uh so i i this is just me right so i i am a cessationist um i i go i and i mean i could be wrong i'm still studying but i i even think demon possession doesn't happen today it was only at a time for christ to reveal uh his power um uh, and why do we put on the me. full armor of god for demon possession? No, I mean we don't put on the full armor of God for demon possession. Well, it's the fiery arrows of the devil that we're to quench. <laughs> we don't we don't wrestle against principalities, and I think it's more of a, a persuasion of motive and uh, decision making, right? A whisper in your ear, just in, darkness in high places. Yeah. I don't I, I, look, man. I just I don't see demon possession happening today. And just what do you think, Austin? How do, how do you how do you feel, Austin? Uh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I like. I, I like okay. It. I'm gonna replace this podcast host that I used to have with <laughs> hey, a new stop one. Stop it. <laughs> I'm over you, Logan. Austin, you, you weren't supposed to come and take my job, Austin. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. What I saw with that um, precious girl at at Asbury 
who had a seizure um and then they cast a demon out of her did they really cast a demon out of her i don't know i i don't know um what i saw was a girl appearing to have a seizure yeah. and i i can't speak any more on it you know I, I used to be a missionary in west africa in burkina faso Mm. And part of the work that I was involved in is we would travel out to uh, remote villages. This is on the edge of the Sahara Desert. So it it looks like Mars with all the, the red dirt. Um, and, you know, I, I, I heard a bunch of s stories um, and saw some things that uh, make me... Uh, very open to to the reality of of things like demon possession i mean mm. i i've i've seen things um that i really that just look like demonic manifestation in people yeah right? yeah um but I, I can't say for sure that that's what that is um obviously the danger with embracing something like that um uh, wholeheartedly and, and without caution is eventually you think that everyone has a demon. You know, if you're, if you're struggling right. with a sin, it's because you have a, have a demon right. and, and right, the, right. The, the theology that will, that, that Christians have demons that need to be cast out. And then, you know, that whole deliverance ministry can really become a, a whole bunch of nonsense. And I um, not only was a missionary in West Africa, seeing these um, supernatural demonic, things happening with witch doctors and, and things like that, um, but also was in a denomination formerly that leaned Pentecostal, that embraced teachers, that taught mm -hmm. that um, if if you, you know, <laughs> if you struggled just now to say that Jesus is Lord, you might have a demon. Right. It's very extreme. It gets, like, it, gets, it gets pretty ridiculous pretty quick. Yeah. That's good, man. I really like your perspective, and I really appreciate what you had to say, because I do think, I do think we do, um, we, we take the American or at least the Westernized Christian experience for granted when people are doing work, like you've said out in, in other countries where I think there are dark spiritual forces that are still very much, um, in some sort of, uh, dominion of power over there that I think that, that through the gospel presentation, Christ will crush and destroy, but um, I do think that, uh, and I've heard stories from other people that have done um, native type um, missionary work and uh, in very remote areas. How how remote out was was yours? How far out were you? Like from any type of civilization? Um, dozen or so hours. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that perspective. I think I will replace you, uh, Logan, with you. Um, Stop. No. So, I mean, yeah. I like to be on I've, one accord with my co-hosts. Look, man, I've had no, things in my life. That, I've had experiences. I've, I've, I've had experiences. I've had things in my life happen. I just, I'm telling you, I just, I, I refuse to give that stuff any kind of credibility or power that I don't believe that it has. I, um, well, I agree just, that uh, there's no power. I, I will. I am open to change. 
that just right now that's my stance, man. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. You know, I, I think I think Todd Bentley's inhabited by by demons, man. I've, 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 I'm kind of convinced of that. You that know, you've somebody. changed me. You've changed that. my position. <laughs> I but but here's the reason. Uh, one of the other reasons why I do that is because I. So me and my dad were talking about it today. Um, he's actually here, by the way, Drew. He came to visit. Oh, nice. Um, uh, he was telling me how the devil is in prison. Right? So my dad gets out of prison, and. And I'm like, you know, I honestly don't think the devil's in prison. I think that's just the wickedness of man running rampant in that place. That's how bad we can get. We can get probably without correctional officers, and they were just locked up in there. It would get a lot worse than what, what you experienced. Um, I, I think people can be that bad, man. Like, and I think we can get a lot, a lot worse. There's a reason that God saw the hearts of man was wicked continuously and flooded the earth. You know, um, I think people are just without without an act of grace actually working on them, even for an atheist who just somebody who is dead in their sin, not born again, and is living a moral life, probably more than likely based on Judeo-Christian values, is because of the grace of God. Every moment that we're not killing each other is because of the grace of God. Um, mm -hmm. So... I, I don't know. I just I, I want to put the responsibility back on the person and not on some kind of supernatural force, you know? Yeah, I, I absolutely get that. You're 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 absolutely correct. All right. I've got a question here from uh, <coughs> RX Bishop MD. He says, uh, here's something interesting. I have a ton. I have tons of board games and we have one called Let's Summon Demons. It's a parody from the Satanic Panic of DD. &D. My wife's mom saw it and had a fit asking if we were summoning demons in our house because <coughs> somehow one thing that references demons is stronger than being a believer. What are you what are your thoughts on that? That's pretty funny. <laughs> do you do you think that we should be concerned for for his family when they're, they're playing a parody of uh the satanic panic days of D and D where they're summoning uh, playing a board game called let's summon demons. Oh, oh I said, I want your pastoral answer. Yeah. <laughs> what you got, man? What do you think? I, this is, I don't he, know what the satanic panic days of D and D means. Oh, so back in the day back, how old are you, Austin? I'm 29. Okay. So, all right. So back when I was coming up, um, we're probably, 20 about 20 or so years ago people that were in the church that um people were taught that playing D D and pokemon and other things like reading harry potter um were summoning demonic elements or or allowing demonic oppression to enter into your home because you were being entertained by things like Harry Potter and, you know, Azkaban and uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons. So the satanic panic was this, all of these kind of 1980s, 1990s Christian moms thought that everything was evil and the devil was coming through every uh, facet to take your children and snatch them away. So that's the satanic panic of that day. So does that, have you heard gotcha. of that before? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So what do you think overall about, you know, do you think that uh, it's uh, it's a risky thing for a Christian to play D and D and board games like that, or what? You I, I think I like think that? I think a topic like this um, requires the exercise of of wisdom. Demons, <laughs> <laughs> right? The exercise. Uh-oh. Well, hello. What's going on, SVU? <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Um, I would I personally um, play a game that was a parody of of summoning demons? Probably not. I probably wouldn't do that. Um, do I think that if you read Harry Potter, you're somehow giving a foothold to Satan in your life? No, not necessarily. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people um, would I think demonize Harry Potter. A lot of Christians demonize Harry Potter, but embrace Lord of the Rings. Um, wait, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan either, um, but I'm pretty sure Aragorn straight up practices necromancy in the third one. Right. You know, uh, that's punishable by death. Right. So, so, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That, that's my pastoral insight. I, I guess the answer like, thanks. I, so, so I would say like, I, what is it that is interested interest you to have entertainment uh, that um, is coming from the uh, the dark side of of this world right like from obviously things that are antithetical to the gospel so why is that type of entertainment entertaining you and I, I would just ask that question to a person in my congregation to say hey like I mean, do what you do what you want. I, obviously, I don't think you playing a game is going to uh, determine whether you're saved or not. But um, why are you entertained by this? Because if we take serious the the reality of people are going to hell, and demons and angels are real things, then this isn't something to just create a board game out of. Um, and then I think let, it's let just the, the idea of let their conscience deal with them. Yeah, it, it is, right? And it's entertainment. It's a, uh, you know, taking, like, uh, the show Supernatural. I thoroughly enjoy that show uh, mm-hmm. until the last season where it got extremely blasphemous, right? They had to finally fight against God. That was the final mm. season. I, it was, That's weird. They created a, well, they created a God that was not the God of the Bible, so it's the only way they could beat him because if, obviously, right. if, it was, <laughs> if it was Yahweh, it wouldn't make any sense. He, there would be no uh potential for winning there right so the protagonist had to win uh, which wasn't god weirdly enough how way to way to end a show um but um yeah like I, I, that was something that i entertained myself with and it had like vampires demons werewolves all kinds of fantasy creatures uh yeah. that these two people yeah. are like fighting against right um so i don't know i mean i i wouldn't i wouldn't put that stuff in my house especially with kids, like if you have kids. Well, I, I don't, I have a son, a 20 year old son who plays D and D and that's uh, he and his wife play it together and they've met lots of people. And um, it's, I've always promoted the, uh, the expression of, of fantasy and, and ideas. I think that there is a, a fine line between things that are spiritually dangerous, but I think when it is, um, you know, in, in the level, at least of what I've seen and experienced with D and D, 
it's all just it's like playing Skyrim, but with uh, with a dice, <laughs> making a decision and rolling the dice to find out if you can do it. So, um, all right. I think one of the demons' name is Beelzebuddy. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, just making a mockery of all of it. Uh, yeah, brother. You got anything else, Austin? You want to? talk about uh, that uh was i guess the most important thing that you got from uh i guess making the tiktok post and attending uh the revival um anything specific you would like to say to anybody that's interested in this whole whole topic i guess um no i i um i i've tried to keep the main thing the main thing with it and that's the gospel um, I can disagree on second and third tier issues with people, um, and that's fine. But the, the gospel uh, is central, and so we, we have to get the gospel right. Um, and I'm not saying that one man's um, observations of whether the gospel was preached during the time he was there is the test of whether or not a revival is real. It certainly isn't. Um, but for the, for those who want to grow in their discernment, it's uh, it's you have to get back to the gospel. Is the gospel being preached? Is the gospel being understood? Uh, is the true gospel being believed? That that's that's the the center of discernment. Absolutely. So, if you don't mind, like what what is the gospel, Austin? We usually what, end with the gospel anyway, so let's hear it. Yeah, what what is that thing, uh, what, the, the good news, the euangelion that is so essential to our faith that when we get up on stage and we say, let's take a moment to share the gospel, that we say it so specifically that it, that it, that it cannot be misinterpreted, that it cannot be uh, um, misunderstood. Um, the gospel um, is the good news that God has sent his son into the world to save sinners and has accomplished uh, that salvation for them, has accomplished it and secured it. That salvation that he accomplished was necessary because in his holiness and in his justice, uh, he demands that sin and sinners be punished under his wrath he, he doesn't compromise his integrity and so god being holy uh, and man being created in his image to love and obey and glorify and enjoy him uh, sinned against him and risen up in rebellion against him and violated his commands adam fell in the garden he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and now all of his posterity including you and i have inherited a sin nature from adam as our federal head so that we are born in sin and know nothing but sin and are uh growing up as creatures created in the image of god fallen with corrupted natures so much so that even the good things that we 
do in our life on the social level are just as corrupted as our our roots are as, mm-hmm. as the center of who we are as our natures are and so that everything which proceeds forth from our corrupted nature is likewise corrupted that's the reality of our sin that it has permeated the very core of our being so that we are all fallen short of the glory of god as uh, idolaters and liars and thieves and blasphemers and we stand before god guilty jesus says in john 3 that the wrath of god presently abides upon everyone who rejects the son and so our position before god is one of just condemnation god being just must punish sin he is bound by his uh, nature to punish sinners and so he will deal with sin one way or another Uh, for his people whom he has chosen to love salvifically from before the foundation of the world he has sent his son to be born of a virgin by the spirit of god and to live a righteous life to live the life that you and i cannot live the life that you and i uh, would hate to live because we being born in sin love our sin and choose our sin rather than the goodness of god and the obedience to god that we owe to him as creatures created in his image um, jesus christ lives a sinless life he lives a righteous life an obedient life uh, a life that is pleasing to his father and so when jesus uh, comes up out of the water uh, after his baptism in matthew chapter 3 uh, the spirit in, in the form of a dove descends and rests upon him and a voice from heaven the voice of the father says this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased well, he can't say that about you. He can't say that about me. God is not pleased with me in my natural state, but he is pleased with his son. Why? Because his son has obeyed. His son has demonstrated the righteousness and the favor with God that I have forfeited. And so he is pleased with his son. And the only way that he would be pleased with me is if somehow... I am found in his son. I am found united to his son. And that is accomplished because Jesus lays down that righteous life on a Roman cross to bear my sin upon his own shoulders and suffer the penalty for sin that I deserve to suffer. And so on the cross, he becomes a sacrifice and substitute. Meaning that he not only bears my sin but the wrath of god which was otherwise reserved for his people is thrown down upon him it's poured out on him the wrath of god which was in the cup that he asked to be removed in the garden on the eve of his crucifixion it's poured out on him he drinks my hell he drinks it all down every last drop so that there is no more wrath for the believer because jesus in his death satisfies the wrath of god against his people the justice of god which demands that i be punished 
which demands my eternal death is satisfied in the death of Jesus Christ so that God can then look at me who has faith in him and say, I am pleased with you. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because when I believe in Jesus, not only has he taken my judgment upon himself, but he has given to me his righteousness this record of perfection that is his by his earthly life, this merit he has stored up for me and given to me so that God looks at me. My sin is gone. I've been washed clean, but I haven't just been washed clean. I've been clothed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And so some people say justification is just as if you've never sinned. It's more than that. It's just as if you've always obeyed. There is positive righteousness put in the place where my sin once was. And so I am justified in the sight of God. He declares me righteous based upon the merits of Jesus Christ. So God accepts me. That's the only way that you or I can be acceptable to God is because by faith we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And then God he, he loves us with the very same love he has for his son. People say, well, God, God loves everybody. It's not true. God doesn't love everyone, not in the same way. We have to understand God loves his son. God loves his son. And the only people whom he loves with the very same love he has for his son are those who are united to him by faith. Mm -hmm. And so believers do experience that covenant love because Christ has fulfilled the covenant uh, of works on their behalf. Uh, he's fulfilled the covenant uh, of grace and he has made them acceptable to God by washing them in his righteous blood. He's risen from the dead and that is God's public vindication of his son. That is his proof that uh, his death, his blood payment was accepted, that he actually purchased a people for himself. They belong to him. And his resurrection demonstrates that he will lose none of those for whom he dies. Because what does he say in John 6? I will raise them up on the last day. Amen. He is the firstborn among many brothers. So having risen from the dead, he ascends into heaven. And having ascended into heaven, he sits down at the right hand of his father, which means that his work is finished on the cross. We know that he said uh, it is accomplished. There, were, there was furniture in the tabernacle. The priest, the Bible says, stood daily at their work. There was the lampstand on which was the bread of the presence and and. and uh, or, or I'm sorry, the lampstand and the, and the table on which was the bread of the presence and, and the mercy seat and, and, the, and the curtains. And, but there, there wasn't a chair um, because the priest's work, were, they could never rest. Their work was never finished. There was no place to sit down. But Christ, our great high priest and sacrifice, when his work is finished, he ascends into heaven and he sits down. And there's no other work to be done. There's no other sacrifices to be performed he has finished it and when he sits down he receives a kingdom and authority to reign 
over heaven and earth to reign uh, until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. And so from this position of cosmic authority of Lord over heaven and earth, he demands all men uh, to repent of your sin and believe in him. Stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying to earn your own salvation. To stop thinking that you are a sufficient creature who has no need of God. And to realize that with every breath you breathe, you suck in mercy. And that there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you are demanded by him to bow your knee now and confess with your tongue now in humble submission and worship that is due to him? Or should you refuse? All that is left for you is a fearful expectation of judgment and the promise that your knees will bow, as the scripture says, because he breaks your kneecaps at the word of his, the word of his wrath and breaks your jaw and manipulates your tongue with his power to confess him as Lord. He is king, and he demands allegiance. Now, this mighty king who is coming back to judge the living and the dead, who is coming back, the Bible says, with a sword, who is coming back in the hem of his robe is dipped in the blood of his enemies. Uh, right now, uh, he, he welcomes all who are weary to come to him, all who are heavy laden to come to him. And he promises to them rest, Amen. rest from the burden of sin. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly of heart. You will find rest for your souls, forgiveness of your sins, adoption as sons and daughters of God and eternal life in him. And with that gracious invitation, he, he says that if the world hated me, it'll hate you too. He says to count the cost. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That this Christian life that he calls you to will be a costly one. Um, but... The prize to which Christ calls you isn't streets of gold. Uh, it, it's himself. He's worth it. He's worth it. And, and no matter, because God doesn't promise you ease or, or plenty in this life. He promises you a, a cross to die on. There is also the, the great hope that he is making all things new. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. He is making all things new. And he can make you new. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. You must therefore repent and believe the gospel. That was the that was best wonderful. explanation of the gospel that we have had on this yeah. podcast, sir. Thank you so much for that. Second to mine. Second to mine.
That, no, strong second. I, I would no. uh, encourage you to uh, think of others more significantly than yourself. Um, that is all so right. good, brother. Well, I think we're going to uh, let that be the last word, the final word, as we appreciate Austin joining us. Um, Austin, can we find you anywhere? Tell us again on TikTok where we can find you and uh, your other socials if you want to, please. Yeah, my my. my name i guess is reformation frontline missions and my handle is ref frontline and yep. uh, and i believe follow me and i believe i misquoted or misstated it i said reformed frontline uh this at the beginning uh so yeah if you go to reformation frontline missions.org um there's an opportunity for you guys if you're interested to give to austin his ministry um and what they're doing at frontline uh it would be a, a, a great way to support a local or uh, just a brother in Christ, whether you're across the country or near him. To, yeah. Well, yeah. So. Let me let me explain that. The Reformation Frontline Missions is a mission that was started for the support and oversight of evangelists, of which I am one that operates, that exists under the authority of Reformation Church of Shelbyville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if if anyone was led to support me um i i would i would hope that you would uh, reach out to me and and talk with me um before you um give uh, anonymous anonymously or whatever whether one time or monthly if if you were were led to do that so that i can know who you are so that i can so that you can ask me questions and so that i can be sure to keep you regularly updated with the work that you have partnered with amen Transparency is key. It's great. You get to know what you are supporting and how it is being uh, how it is being used, and it's not being used to fill pockets. So that's right. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Well, we appreciate having you on here. It's been a pleasure, and uh, it's been a really great experience to get to know you. And we hope to find you or uh, to see you more on TikTok. And uh, that'll that'll be it. So I guess we're gonna log off here. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Doctrines of Rad episode 31, and we are out. Out.